Hi, I'm Alison Sandy. I'm Brian Seymour. And I'm Sally Layden. Welcome to Conversation 16. Well, a lot has happened, not least of all um, DNA testing. Um, we've got a lot to brief everyone on. So um, I'll start with Sal. Yeah, hi everyone. Um, just to reiterate that um, we had had my mum's ballet slippers collected by the new head of the um, missing persons unit in Sydney. He took them back with him and um, the they did their testing for the DNA on the ballet slippers in the hope that we might be able to gain mum's DNA. Um, obviously, this is very difficult because I've got things like China and, um, you know, letters and things like that from her. But um, And we have tested things like the stamps on the back of the postcards and had negative results. So I was really confident, actually, that there may have been just a small sample in there that they could have um, get, got to have her DNA. But unfortunately, that came back as a negative. Um, Gary gave me a call a couple of weeks back and told me that, unfortunately, it was negative, and I've had that confirmed by multiple other um detectives in New South Wales. And the Ballina bone? Uh, so I found out about the Ballina bone only last week. Um, you might remember I've been sort of asking them to test this and Gary said he wasn't able to find the bone, but um, I had clarification that um, missing persons unit indicated that they had found the bone and tested my DNA against the bone. However, it threw a negative result as well. Oh, that's 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 not good. Um, obviously, we had a lot of hope there, but you know, um, you know, twenty three years have passed. It's hard, isn't it, um, when you've got so much time that has has um, gone in between. It, you know, you're up against it, and this is um, this is the result. Um, now, Gary Sheen, you spoke, you said that you, he spoke to you about two weeks ago. Um, now he's no longer the OIC on the case. Now I know that we, we touched on that in the recent episode, but can you explain, uh, you know, as much as you can, um, what this means as far as you know? Um, so the last time I spoke to Gary, just to clarify, was when he rang me about the bell on a bone, um, which was just before school started. So I can't remember the date, but if we go back to the term, beginning of term, um, and it was on the Friday, but um, I understand that um, he is no longer the OIC on the case, and for those people who don't know what an OIC is, that's an officer in charge. Um, so we have a new OIC who is part of the Homicide Unsolved Cases Squad, um, and Gary will now present a statement for the coroner, and he has to hand that over to her. And then um, the homicide squad is now doing a full investigation of the file and what um, they have already looked into and investigations that they have done. They will then present the coroner with the brief of evidence and we move forward from there. And we're still looking at six months from the time they started, so that was probably about a month ago. Yeah, look, and I did ask that question the other day too, and it was said to me that it potentially, if it's dragging on too long, the coroner potentially may ask for what they already have so she can start on it and then they can keep working on it as well. So I, I, I do feel really confident talking to these people that, um, you know, we've we finally got ourselves into a position where we have people helping and are keen, you know. Um, they used the word excited the other day and apologise for that, but I'm okay with them being excited because they want to solve it. They want to work out what's happened. So, um, you know, I think we're in a really good place and, um, you know, it's not not nice having to go through a coroner's court and, you know, people talking about 
the suspected death or murder of your mother. Um, that's never pleasant. However, um, you know, it's a reality that I face and, you know, I have to be brave enough to just um, try and push through that, I guess. You know, that's that's the next phase of the development. So, I see a confidence in you after speaking to this new OIC that I haven't seen before. So I gather that by speaking to them you really feel assured that they are, you know, for what for the first time maybe that your case is going to be handled properly. Yeah, look, and... I think the fact that they give me time and they, you know, I've just, I've organised to have a meeting with them and they are not putting a timeline on that meeting. It'll be as long as I need to to tell them what I know. Um, They want to see what we have found ourselves and the listeners have found um, because there's a lot of information there that is new that's potentially not on the file that they need to have to help with the investigation. And, um, you know, I kind of... I didn't want to feel like, I think you all know, I sent the coroner a couple of letters with some um, detailed points about what I felt was important. I spoke about that with Alison and Brian and conversed with the sleuths as well and said, what do you think we need to put in that letter? So that was a combined effort. Um, And I sort of have reiterated that by no means am I doing that to say how to do their job. Um, I'm just, I've said to them, I've been waiting for 23 years now to try and get some answers and I don't have another 23 years for them to get where I am today. So by handing them that information and giving them a heads up on what I feel is important and valid, I only feel that that can be beneficial to everybody. And uh, we, you're going to meet them in the next couple of weeks? Is that what the what you're thinking? Yeah, next week. Next week. Terrific. And a day? Do you think it would take a day? Uh, I've, we've got a full day yeah. put aside, so I don't know. They want me to bring everything that I have. I'm not sure if that will fit in my suitcase. <laughs> However. <laughs> I think it's all in your head too, Sal, so I don't think we need to worry. You've learned My to- poor brain's not surviving very well lately, let me tell you. 23 years of studying for exam, you, <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Um, all right. Now, we have also, I mean, this is a lot of people brought this up when we, we um, mentioned in um, the lead up to episode 15 that we found somebody, well, when we say found somebody, that we um, we know of somebody now um, that we've been looking for. Everybody um, alluded that, well, I guess the hint was that they uh, thought it was the pilot. At that stage, it wasn't. But now we do know a lot more about the pilot. Sal, what can you tell us? Well, it's been an interesting week, I tell you. We've been looking for certain people, um, the pilot being one of them, Susie Cooper, another Um, since this all began and I started talking to people and getting information about certain things that I hadn't heard before Um, and I have a very good friend of mine actually Um, we met she has a little shop we used to have a little shop in um, Brisbane and um, little children's shop and my kids used to um, model for her and um, for this fashion parade that they had every year and so we became friendly through that Um, she we have a mutual friend through our primary school as well. So she's been contacting me for quite a while. She has a cousin over in the UK who is a detective. So the, the three of us were coversing at the very beginning of the podcast trying to get an idea and understanding. She was trying to give me some understanding of how the UK police work. So that was all really helpful information. Um, her name's Carrie. And um, anyway, last Saturday night she was messaging me on Messenger going, are you awake I've got something to tell you, and I have been getting a little bit of spam lately, so I wasn't sure. It was 10.30 at night, and I didn't answer it. And so the next morning I said, did you send me a message last night? She said, yes, yes, I did, I did. 
And I said, okay. And she goes, oh, my God, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, can I call you? And she said, yes. And so anyway, I rang her and she goes, oh, my God, you are not going to believe who I am sitting right next to. And I said, who? And she goes, the ex-wife of the pilot. And I went, oh, my God. So... This would mean nothing to normal people, but the pilot means in TLV world, we all know what that means. <laughs> um, so what happened was Carrie was at an isogenics conference down on the Gold Coast and um, they were sitting around having drinks, hence why she was ringing, like, messaging me late. And they were all talking about me and the podcast and did, you know, she was like, oh, have you all heard about it? Do you know about it? Um, anyway, and then one of the mums was uh, a mum from TSS and she had older boys and Carrie had told me after the fact, she said, I never really thought about asking her because I thought her boys were too old. However, um, she just put it out there and said, do you remember Marion Barter? And she said, what's her name? She said, Marion Barter. She goes, oh, my son's um, kindy teacher was Marion. And then that's sort of when it all sort of came to light and she's like, oh, my God, well, okay. And she said, yeah, so that was the year that my my son was at TSS and she said, oh, well, we're looking for a pilot. Do you know a pilot? And she goes, well, my ex-husband was a pilot. And she confirmed the name of the boy who we had been told previously by another parent that she thought his name was his name and um, – yeah, it kind of all just went from there. And um, I've since met up with um, his ex-wife. Um, she confirmed that um, they were, in fact, divorced at the time. So he was single. Um, and um, that maybe mum was infatuated with him was a comment that she made. Um, however, she thought that perhaps he wouldn't have been interested in her. We found out that he was 11 years younger than mum, so he would have only been, I don't know, 39 or something like that, and mum was 50 in that year. So um, we are at this point, she doesn't have a lot of contact with him, obviously, because her son is, you know, almost 30, so they haven't had any contact since he was around 18. Um, The son, obviously, is still in contact with him, um, so she's trying to negate through the son whether he um, can get his dad to give me a call as um, she doesn't have details for him at this point. So just waiting patiently. Um, I just want to put it out there too that we just would like to speak to him because people have mentioned that they were seen together, mum running out to the car to go and see him when the little boy would arrive at school, um, you know, his mother coming in and helping in the classroom a lot, mum babysitting the boy. So we just wanted to ask some questions if he remembered what was happening or if he could give us some enlightenment as to what their relationship actually was were they just friends was was mum more interested than him did he break it off did he tell her he wasn't interested I just I feel like that would be important to know so yeah um in the same way as the dentist yeah look you know um I think we need to cross all the boxes and uh, make sure that we are looking at everybody potentially who could know something about mum um, you know, I've spent a lot of time the last two weeks calling a lot of ex-staff at TSS. Um, and one thing that did come about, um, which I thought was quite interesting, one of the teachers, I messaged her, emailed her and asked her if she could call me. And she emailed me back and said she didn't have a lot of information. But she did say this, and I felt this was quite poignant to how my mum might have been feeling at the time. 
And she said in her email that I remember your mum's um, resignation was very, very sudden and she seemed to be a bit frantic. And I think that's important because frantic is quite quite a big word in how your mannerisms are. My mum was not a frantic person. She was a happy-go-lucky, love-the-daisies kind of person. So frantic wasn't usually in her agenda. Um, she also mentioned that Luke Glover had told them that on the last day of school, because remember she finished on the Friday, which was the last day of the term, that he um, had to go down to her and stop her because she was stealing the school property. Now, she only had a Honda Civic. It wasn't a big car, so it's not like she had a Hilux or anything and was filling the back of the car with all this stuff that belonged to TSS. Um, I And he, she said he had to tell her to take it all out of the car. And I thought that was quite interesting too. Yeah, the scales. That explains the scales. Well, it kind of explains the comment about her saying, I don't want to give him any ammunition, right? So, But what I want to make people aware, and I have gone back to this lady and said to her, I just want to clarify a few things with you. My mum, every year, new year, new school, whatever, she always had furniture made for the home corner and the kitchen um, for the boys, and she paid for that out of her own money. She regularly took my things. I remember I had a little set of Russian dolls and she mentions this in her postcard as well and said, do you remember I took the Russian dolls and the boys broke them? Because I always had my things and our books taken to school and we never saw them ever again because mum was very much about sharing and giving the boys and the the children before she was just at a boys' school the whole experience. So she was very much about that and hence why she said about the kitchen scales, I can't remember if I paid for them or if I took it out of petty cash. So just to, as he will be doing a stock take and I don't want to give him any ammunition, take the scales back to the school. So she had, when she put all the stuff, all the stuff that she put at Nana and Pa's, who's my husband's grandparents' um is the school stuff and things like mattresses and sheets and towels, things that couldn't go into a storage unit, I guess. Um, and it was that that stuff that I had to go through when um, we finally came to the conclusion that she was actually missing and not coming back. And Nana and Pa were on my case going, what are you going to do with all the stuff in the room? Like we need to, you know, can't stay there forever. Um, and I've mentioned briefly before too, there was boxes where – at the time, I remember being really cranky looking at it going, oh, my God, you've left me such a mess to clean up, but not really understanding the, the, the situation at hand. And it looked like she'd literally pulled her desk drawers out and tipped the drawers into the boxes. So there was staples and pins and stuff everywhere in these boxes. There was no neatness, no nothing about a, a timely exit. It was all about which bit frantic kind of plays into that as well um and my mum would have paid for all of that furniture the other side of that coin I want you all to think about is why would she take all the furniture from Nana and Pa's and all her things from school if she was never coming back yeah why would you store that for the next classroom if you had no intention of ever coming back to the country again or teaching again yeah that does not make sense to me no. So, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of information. That's really um, helpful, actually, because that scales issue, like in that letter, was always a bit confusing. Yeah, and it's just talking to people. I think people need to, particularly people who know her and are involved in her world somehow, I think it's really important that people understand 
that when I'm asking for information, I'm not asking people for information to criticize them or to say they're involved in anything. It's just those tiny little one-word sentences. She was a bit frantic and she was packing all her stuff from the school into the car. That's important. I have said from the very beginning something happened at TSS to make her leave. Yeah, and, and it also it also speaks to the, the idea that um, if she was intending to disappear uh, for a period of time, she had the facility and the wherewithal to um, access, as you say, her, her belongings, her things. So the intention wasn't to disappear forever um, at, at the very least. Um, and, and, you know, we, we all think that, there was more than just Marion involved in her disappearance, but it, it again, it's it's another indication that she didn't just um, single-handedly, of her own volition, plan her exit from her life for good. Uh, it, it wasn't planned that way at all. No, and and I think that's something to remember as well. I mean. Um with anything, any project you do, and I can tell you at the Career Mail, I could write any story and somebody would always have negative, someone would always have positive. So we expect negative comments, but, um, and, but fortunately they've been overwhelmingly po- positive, I should say. Um, but we, even with Susie Cooper, I mean, this is a 23 year old case. So chances are most of the people that knew Marion and were involved are older, you know, so we are going to be ringing older people. We have not. I disagree with any assertion that we've been disrespectful in the way that we've approached it. Christina, could she just be the loveliest person? Um, when she rang up and the way she did it, she explained it so eloquently. I mean, I could listen to Christina all day and, and she is not intimidating or doesn't come across like that. And as Sal pointed out, I mean, if we, it's, it, you, people think that they don't know anything and that's fine, but we want to at least provide the opportunity to speak to them because you just don't know. People, yeah, you know, when you talk to them and, they, and it triggers a memory. I mean, this is the way it works. This is a mystery. We're trying to solve a mystery. We are going to ring people and some of them are going to be old. So um, I just don't think that there's any – I make no apologies for that. And I don't think anything has been dealt with um, disrespectfully. I, I think even with any phone call that we've made, you know, I'm, I'm happy to stand up, you know, and, and be counted on it because it's – um. It's been really well handled and the only way it can be handled. Fernand's different because um, it's more about trying to find or verify the connection. Um, but everybody else is, well, there's, you know, you knew her. We just want to know just anything, anything you can tell us. You know, and to be fair desperate. too, like we, when Christina spoke to her, she was very happy for me to speak to yeah. her and yeah. I was not feeling very well um the night the next that, that next night so i put it off because obviously they're a day behind me so i had to ring in the evening to not be too early of course and when i rang her husband answered and he said to me um susie's had time to think about this and she doesn't want anything to do with it and she doesn't want any contact with you and he said but we wish you all the best in your endeavors um now remembering these people are 74 75 years of age and it was collectively thought amongst the sleuth girls that um, they've probably jumped on the internet. They've probably seen that, you know, homicide squad, unsolved murder, blah, 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 um, and they probably just freaked out, as most people potentially will. 
um, because they don't want to get involved in something that they don't know much about or they don't feel comfortable about. Um, I think hanging up on people is a bit rough, um, but it's happened to me before, um, you know, with other people associated who have happily spoken to me initially and then when I've called back they hang up on me and they don't want anything to do with it. And I think that is just, that is not guilt-ridden, that is just people protecting themselves and protecting their family and I'm okay with that. We, When Christina spoke to Susie, um, she literally said to me, I just was going through the phone book. I had no idea it was going to be her and, you know, I can't send you a list of UK phone numbers to try and ring people to see if it's them. So I was literally just going through it and have no expectation she was going to pick up the phone. Um, And when she spoke to her, she spoke well. She was clear. She wasn't too – she said to me, I wasn't too – like too too much information to scare her or worry mm. her about the situation. And the question we had for Susie Cooper, blank like black and white was, did my mum contact you when she went overseas? And she yeah. said no. Yeah. So we have the answer. We don't need to speak to them again. It would have been nice to speak to Susie just to hear her voice and talk about mum and her time living at her house. I mean, mum yeah. hosted her for a week and they got on famously well. So, um, you know, it would have been nice to hear her talk about mum. She did tell Christina that she thought it was very out of character for her to sell her house quickly and particularly leave halfway through the year um, for a teacher of that level and high dedication to the to her students. She felt it was very out of character that she would leave the midway because she knows that that can be very disruptive um, so something definitely happened and was her opinion on that. But unfortunately, we can only go through that with through, um, through Christina now. Yeah. And, and look, you know, I mean, we're used to being hung, hung up on as journalists and obviously it's, it's, you know, it's not a nice thing. So, so when Sally, not that she was hung up on, but you know, when she was rejected, you know, Sally didn't want to call again. So I called again on her behalf just in case because you just never know. A few more days have gone by and they could have thought, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. Generally, as we all know, m- most people want to tell their story that they want to talk to you. Um, particularly, um, in a case where you might be assisting, albeit, um, you know, a second, third hand, um, finding a missing person. I mean, it's um, it, it's unusual for people to not want to talk to us. Um, the vast majority, uh, even, you know, everyone from the, the detective on the case sat down on camera. I mean, um, that's because in these cases, generally, 99% of people want to talk to you, and that has been the case in this investigation. So it's important to remember that. And also, it's interesting, even though... Um, Susie, um, we're not speaking to Susie. It's great that um, you and the Sleuths tracked her down and a great job from the Web Sleuths who were just amazing because, um, you know, she said, no, Marion didn't call me. Now, we would have expected, anyone would have expected that, you know, two friends, two colleagues who got on that well, that, that she would have called her, would have reached out to her in the UK. And that begs the question, why didn't she? Uh-huh. I mean, it, it really beggars belief that she didn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, that that just supports the theory that, that something else entirely was going on. She was right there. She knew She knew and liked her and she didn't reach out. Why was that? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And so many, as people say, so many questions. But I want to say also um, that I, that was my favourite part of episode 15 was the way the sleuth Sam and Christina explained. I mean, it's just amazing, the patience and the tenacity. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it was more than just them. And, and Sally can go on, you know, because um, they were sort of the uh, the coming out of it 
um, you know, with with some of the more intricate details. But it wasn't, you know, it was a real team effort, wasn't it, Sal? And you know what? It is every day. Those girls are messaging me. Um, Jen's overseas at the moment. She was messaging us last night going, it's 2 a.m. here. I'm like, go to bed. What are you doing? She's like, but every time I put my phone down, it goes bing. Um, you know, so I've even said to them last week, let's just have a rest for a little bit and just take some time out. And I just laughed at them last night. I said, it's so much for having a rest. You guys are just crazy. But they are so dedicated to the cause. Um, you know, we how that all transpired with Susie was obviously we've been looking for her for seven months. Um, and I'll explain how that all happened too because I think it's important and there's more information I want to share with you about that as well um, with one of mum's best friends. And, um, you know, the fact was that Susie, I'm sorry, with regards to Susie, Sam, Mandy and I made an appointment. We went to archives and we sat down because we were trying to find some TSS newsletters. Um, they're available in the library. They're available through um, Anglicare Church and all that sort of stuff. So you just have to make appointments and go and sit down because sometimes things are missing. So we went and did that and um, lo and behold, we found a newsletter and the, you know, the three of us were sitting there for about four hours dredging through notes, which is very, very tiring. Um, and a lot of reading and um, yeah just I think Sam is very meticulous she looks over every single word and I have learned a lot from her the first time we went um, to archives together and sat down we did it for about six hours and I was freezing cold and um, she just went through every single word and was taking photos of every single thing that she thought you was. You were cold? That's amazing. It must have been freezing it in was, there. I know. I'm never cold. <laughs> so ask my husband. Um, I'm always adjusting the air conditioning in the office. And you guys look like you're separated at birth, by the way, you and Sam. I know. We've had that comment too. Everyone thinks we're sisters from another mister, but um, she's she's a great chick and I'm lucky because she's here in Brisbane so she can um, easily pop over and see me and spend some time with me to um, go through what, what we need to do. But um, anyway, so from that, Sam then posted that information, all that, just that sentence or the paragraph from the newsletter into the sleuth page and um, the girls just went crazy. So they were finding out, I think June found out that she came from Windermere. So that gave us a pinpoint of where we needed to look. And then I think Jen found out that she was part of some um, sailing club. That might have been Christina. I can't really remember because it was was going crazy guns. But um, they all had an input. So we've got Kelly and we've got um, the other Kel. You know, we've got plenty of sleuths that are in there helping us giving us information to um work that work out the detail and so from that christina obviously has the upper card because she's in the uk she knows the area very very well unlike us um and um yeah she took it from there and looked through the phone book looked through marriages these girls know what they're doing they're actually astounding they're amazing i love them so um and without them I think the journey would have been a lot harder for all of us involved because they've definitely been the push behind me continuing to dig that little bit deeper as well. So um, big shout out to them and thanks to them. I don't want to talk too long because I know we've got a fair bit to talk about, but I wanted to mention that uh, my mum has, in my memory, my mum's longest friend, her name is Angela. Now, they knew each other in in their 20s. Um, I'm not 100% sure they may have gone to teacher's college together in Wagga. That's where they met. So we're talking very, very young, even 19 maybe. Um, 
we've always kept in, in touch. She's sort of calls me occasionally, not very often, but, you know, every couple of years she'll give me a call and we'll have a big chat for about two hours on the phone. And um, she's just check, checking up on any news on mum and any updates um, and I give her a call back whenever I've got something to tell her. Um, Angela was actually the one who first made mention to me about Susie Cooper um, after I called her in April this year just to alert her about the podcast and to tell her it was being launched that day um, Mum had told her that Susie Cooper was a good contact to have in the UK as she was intending on making contact with her when she arrived in the UK just in case she decided to stay and teach over there. Mum had also made mention that she was considering staying and teaching in the UK to me um, and said, if I decide to stay, I'll, I'll let you know and have you arranged to have my shipping container sent yeah. over. Yeah. So that was, to me, verifying that conversation. Like, mum said that to me, she said it to Angela. Um, <clears throat> and I remember me saying to Angela, do you think you've got the right name, Susie Cooper, because mum collected China that was called Susie Cooper. Have you got that mixed up? And she said, no, no, that's how I've remembered. I remembered it through the name of the China. So... Just tiny, tiny little bits of information like that led me to Susie Cooper, which gave us a connection in the UK that mum may have wanted to contact with the potential of teaching over there, which again tells me that she had no intention of disappearing and never working again and so forth. Um, she said to me the other day when we were, I rang her and told her that we found Susie, she was like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that and, you know, how long it's taken us to do it. And um, she said to me that she was surprised that mum was selling the house but mum had also told her that the house was too big and she didn't use the swimming pool. And she also mentioned that she didn't want a mortgage. So I thought that was interesting because I hadn't heard that before. Um, she told me that she wanted to downsize and buy a unit at Main Beach on the Gold Coast beachfront when she comes back from the UK, which made complete sense to me as well. So that was another verification that she told Angela and she told myself. Um, Angela actually only mentioned this to me the other day and she said, I was thinking about the last time I spoke to your mum and she called me the day before she left and she said, if anything happens for some reason, please take care of Sally and Owen. Quote. So she said, that's just the gist of it anyway. Um, And what I was just saying before, it's comments like that that I've been asking people to remember, they potentially potentially hold a lot of um, clues to assist us in finding her. So um, that's a that's a pretty significant big statement. statement. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if something happens to me, yeah, can you please look after Sally Owen? And so Angela said to me, I kind of took it as a grain yeah. of salt because not only were you and Owen adults um, and settled in your lives, I I had no no idea that something was going to happen to her. I was like, oh, don't be silly. Um, you know, and people can say that and say, oh, I might get hit by a bus or, yeah. you know, you're traveling overseas by yourself, anything can happen. Um, but yeah, so that was an interesting thing to find out. She also told me about how mum met Greg Edwards, who mm. was mum's partner for a while. And she told me that um, he was the, we know that he was the maintenance guy and still is at TSS. Yeah, we spoke to him, he was um, great. And that he, mum asked him to come and clean the pool at her house because she didn't clean the pool. So, she paid him and he came and cleaned the pool and that's actually how they met and became connected. So, um, yeah, so that's go. that's a little bit of insight that I come up, come up with this week. Oh, Sal, that's awesome. Now, um, I wanted to get on with our people power as, as people power has been the theme really, you know, behind The Lady Vanishes and, and everything we've we've achieved, um, six, almost six million downloads now. Um, and we have started up another petition. The success of our last petition um, where we got 
Marion on the Missing Person, the Australian, the National Missing Persons database for the first time, which is just phenomenal. Now we're at a stage that we're looking at an inquest next year, um, potentially, most likely. And um, we don't know what the police have been told, um, but we know that there there are a lot of things that we have um, obviously unearthed, but more information is required, I think, to really, I mean, because, I mean, it's all about information, isn't it? Having as much information as possible. So we are now pushing for the New South Wales Police to put a cash reward on any information that um, anyone coming forward with information into Marion's disappearance. Um, we think it's long overdue. I mean, we're asking for a quarter of a million. Just recently, um, yesterday, in fact, the New South Wales Police put half a million dollars um, for a um, a young young girl, um, completely justified, who's been missing for seven years. So we think a quarter of a million dollars for information into Marion, who's been missing for twenty three years, is perfectly reasonable. Reasonable. Um, it obviously does make a difference. Um, I get the missing persons um, list all the time in relation to cash rewards. There's there's usually dozens on there. Um, frankly, I'm surprised that. Marion isn't on there with, I mean, as we know, she wasn't on even on the database for such a long time, but she, she should have a cash reward on information. If anybody needs a cash reward, it's a cold case for a 23 year old cold case. So, um, so please, please sign and share our petition. Um, Google Marion Barter cash reward, um, or it's under change.org. So change.org, Marion Barter. And it's the cash reward one um, that should come up. Please sign and share it. Um, we've got more than 500. I only launched it yesterday. We've got more than 500 um, at the moment, but obviously we'd like to get tens of thousands of um, of signatures um, to put it to police so that we can have it, have you know as much information around in time for when hopefully an inquest is called. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. The other thing I should say, NCAT. NCAT, my God, I rang them yesterday. This is terrific. I can't believe this. They told me, it, okay, just so you know, it was held in, in June. The case, the, the, the case conference, um, and the, the hearing was held in June. The last submissions were made the 19th of July. When I rang them and I said, look, it's been almost six months. Um, they said to me, Oh, well, it should have only been 12 weeks after the last submissions, um, which were in July. Um, so I'll have to find out. They were quite apologetic. I'll have to find out what the delay is. Um, so anyway, they're going to do that and we will hopefully hear from them very, very soon. Um, and there'll be decision. And that's when we'll release episode 16. We're going to wait for that. We've got a lot in episode 16. Don't get me wrong and we'll touch on that later, but. I think NCAT, um, the decision. and So, so the- NCAT, um, th- that is crucial. It's the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal. People remember we actually broadcast um, uh, excerpts from the, the actual hearing. It's, it's like a judge. It's called a senior member. And we had a representative of the Commissioner for Police in New South Wales up there um, being questioned by um, our lawyer, Rico Janjajic, on behalf of Sally and Channel 7, and uh, they the police had their lawyer, uh, Kiri Matters. But um, I was just reading through the transcript earlier, and it was a comprehensive examination of the arguments about why Sally hasn't been able to access all the documents and information in the police file that's been compiled uh, sporadically over the last 23 years. And they include lots of things that people are asking us about all the time, like have you checked the incoming passenger card for Marion's handwriting or fingerprints? Well, no, we haven't because we're told the police have it or have seen it, but we're not allowed to look at it or get an answer to the question of have you fingerprinted it? Have you had the handwriting analysed? 
Now, that, that is extremely frustrating. So the significance of a, a decision being imminent on this can't be overstated. And if it goes the way that hearing um, seemed to indicate that it might, I'm just reading through, you know, the very comprehensive arguments our lawyers put, one of the big arguments was that this was an ongoing investigation, therefore they couldn't possibly release any file, any details in the file. Well, of course, Marion was taken off the missing persons register and, and the case lay dormant and inactive. Uh, effectively, the police decided, and this was gone through in the in the hearing, that she'd gone missing on her own volition, the family accepted that, and she was not at any risk. So, therefore... Um, no, nothing was done. Not to Therefore, mention the, the that file, I was told numerous times that the case was closed and their hands were exactly. tied. Exactly, so, which means you should be able to access the file because it's a dormant file. There's no risk to anyone. Um, save any pressing um, issues of privacy. Um, it really, uh, things like the, the documents that your mother supposedly handled or filled out, I mean, that, that you, you should have those. Well, I so, don't think, I've said it before too, I don't think my mum's privacy really counts anymore, you know. Um, 23, 23 years later, there's nothing to identify that she is safe and well. Her privacy that, should be right. available to everybody to try and find her. Well, legally, yeah, because seven after years. seven years, it's, she's presumed possibly um, dead. That, that, that's the standard for the, the coroner to rule on a And Sally's the next of kin. So. Yeah, and you're the next of kin. So all of these things um, hopefully will come to a head very, very quickly because there is potentially a, a wellspring of information and documentation in that file that hasn't been tested as forensically and as uh, thoroughly as we and Sally would like to see. So hang on to your hats. If that, um, if what Alison's just told us is true, that, that could be a, a major leap forward and, and one that's long overdue. Well, it's definitely true. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, no, if, no, if, if I it's accurate. No, if they, if they know, come through with I know that. that's what they told you. Just, <laughs> <I know. That's laughs> it's right. been a while. Yeah, yeah, it has. Look, I mean, the reality is, though, um, they make a decision. The police can then <laughs> appeal that decision. So oh, um, we we can't say, yes, they're going to make a decision yeah, and it's going to be go. in our favour. Look, the other thing with that file is it has those dot points, which I want to see as to why they took her off the missing persons list. Yeah. I find that incredible that Sally can't know that mm. you know what justification there was to do that 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 she can't be told about that so yeah because because Gary said to us he he, he actually never cited her or, or spoke to her so well, I think what, that's been standard? identified too very clearly that yeah. um, she hasn't been so and look I, I do have a lot of confidence in the homicide squad like as my husband said they would not put the resources and time into putting it to the homicide squad for investigation if they weren't taking it seriously. So Absolutely. I kind yep. of want to give everyone the confidence that we haven't had previously in the past because I don't I, I again I, I sympathize with Gary to a degree because I don't think it should be the job of a detective in a local police station to be investigating these things. They've got a thousand no. other jobs to do and I really think it is unfair yeah. and I think it should be something that should be looked at wholeheartedly. I know Inspector Detective Glenn Brown from uh, Missing Persons Unit has indicated to me that his, his intention to change how that's all played out. And if anyone's missing after 12 months uh, moving forward, he's cl he's claiming he wants to change the rules so that every single case goes to the coroner, which that was the case, but I don't think it, looking at the files that we've got where they've had to chase and chase and chase for that information, the coroner I'm talking about chasing New South Wales Police for the documents and for the information, and they haven't um, complied with the, the regulations and stipulations of that, um, that it should be... 100% followed through. Yep. 
That's right. And look, you know, we always said this. I mean, it wasn't a case of obviously we did raise the areas that would be made in the past with New South Wales Police, but it was never about that. It was about what they do now. You know, it was, you know, moving forward, where we go from here. That's what you get judged on. I mean, people make mistakes. Um, and in a big organization, it would happen every day. So it's, yeah. And look, things have happened, you know, a long time ago that you can't erase. Like we Mm. can't change what's happened. Um, we can't change what happened yesterday, but we can move forward and we can hope for the best. And in speaking with these people at length, I am very confident. And, um, you know, I am in a bit of a situation where it is with the homicide squad. That is very serious. I need to point that out to you because we're talking potential homicide yeah. investigation. So yeah. there will be things that I will be told that I'm not allowed to speak of because it could interfere with the case. And, you know, I am very conscious of that. It puts me in a hard position because I've been very open and honest with everybody. I've told everybody everything on this podcast um, in doing my best to share the story and get you know, get people to understand where we're at and what we're doing. And um, I take appreciation now that we're in that position. And you know what, without the podcast and without the listeners and without the support from everybody, we wouldn't have actually been here because I kept getting told with the door was shut. So, And we still need you. The police still need you. I mean, there's a lot of red tape to get even something like a reward through. And um, as we saw with Mark Levison in the last episode, I mean, he the minister intervened yep. and got that reward through for they his They are son. aware. They are aware. I have spoken to them about the reward option and they are very aware and they are looking at it. Um, yeah. But I, they haven't told me anything other Yeah, they than have to that, get approval so. all the way up the top. They can't make that decision. No, they can't. And, um, you know, so I want is- people to be aware that, it's not that they're trying to roadblock it or anything. No, they're no, just, they would love it. And, and they've only had the case for, what, two weeks yeah. or something. So they need to have time to analyse what they it. have but- and do some research and all the rest of it. And, you know, I know I I feel like I have been very patient in mm. waiting. Um, 23 years, that's very patient. <laughs> but, um, you know, we will get there in the end. Yeah, you know? and look, the reality is, though, they need to get a, a, a um a reward sooner rather than later. It's not really that hard in the sense that somebody up up ahead really has to, I mean, it's not for them, those individuals that are helping you now to make that decision. I'm sure they'd be pushing for it, but this is where people power comes in. This is where the petition, you know, signing the petition really does help because when you have that people power on there, it's, you know, we already have the spotlight on this case. It's where, you know, it will make a difference, certainly with, um, with Mark, he said if it wasn't for media, social media and, and media and getting that um, support, you know, 24 hours. It happened in 24 hours. So that's how quickly it can happen. So, And look, you know what, in my, in my personal opinion, having a reward for information that leads to finding my mother, I don't think that's a bad thing to have in place no. because, um, you know, at the end of the day we're trying to find out where she is and if someone came forward and said, yep, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's such a unique case that it's not going to it's not going to yeah. form a precedent. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. money well spent, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. Speaking of that, um, and also a special thanks to Mark Levison. I just want to say that right now, um, thanks, because Mark. he's I just love him, and I know, and I'm sorry that the audio yeah. wasn't great. Amazing I what he's been through, the whole family. Um, oh yeah, and uh, Mike, and you know, for those who who did persevere, uh, he his words of wisdom and the what he could, what Sally now can expect from an inquest and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and I want to clarify that too because a few people have said things like, oh, you know, why were we talking about another case? Yeah, I was about to say that. So go, and, go and explain why this matters, why, well, why it was good to have Mark involved. You know what? Mark rang me and said, 
Sal, I'll be in Brisbane. Just, you know, heard about you going potentially to Inquest. I think that's amazing news. Um, what, I don't know if I've said this before, but um, I told him. So the day that I found out that the coroner had taken jurisdiction and potentially going to Inquest was actually Matt Levison's birthday. Oh. And so oh, I wow. felt very connected because I'd seen Mark post something and I went, oh, wow. Like I feel like maybe Matt's. I know this really sounds really weird. Oh, I felt like no. Matt was kind of on my shoulder helping yeah. me get through that, you know. So I, it was kind of funny. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, Mark rang me and mm-hmm. said, I'll be up there. Can we meet? Um, and the day that he was coming through, it was actually my wedding anniversary. Um, so we'd planned dinner and everything and we were going out. But um, So that's why it had to be at my home. So I do apologise. That was kind of my fault that we had to do it at my house and not in the studio um, due to time limits. But um, he came... Um, my house is very echoey, I've decided, when we're <laughs> recording people. But um, he came, he talked to me about things. I have no idea or comprehension about what I'm about to embark on. So the fact that he has done that, he's told me references to books that I should get and read. He in, like explained to me about the cost involved in going to a coronial inquest, um, what happens in court and, you know, gave me some good tips, like why don't you go down there and sit in on a, on a hearing and listen to what they say because then you'll have a good understanding. And I am one of those people in life that I like to make sure that I understand everything. I like to know clearly yeah. and concisely what is going on. Yeah, you like to be in control. And oh, I don't always like to be in control. Don't tell Chris that. <laughs> um, he, already, he already knows yeah, that Yeah, he knows. <laughs> uh, but... Um, you know, it's not about being in control either. It's just about having knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge is power. If you walk in there and you know nothing, yeah. well, more for you, really. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you haven't made the time and effort to work work that through and, and understand what the process is. Um, so I was already in that world of thought when um, when Mark came and spoke to me. So he he had a terrible time. Him and Faye have had a, like a, a, you know, a terrible, terrible time. And no one could comprehend. I sympathise yeah. with them. You know, his whole world has changed. His new normal is the fact that someone's yeah. murdered and, you know, he's now covered in tats and, you know, that's his new world and that's his new normal and um, he's a lovely, lovely person and I, I do sympathise. He told me also, which is hard to hear in the in the, in the conversation, but he was talking about, um, and I have to, I have to double-check what it's called, but there is an, a door where – what do they call that? Do you remember? He talks about where Daniel Morecambe's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What it's is that south called? of Sydney. I can't remember what he said. It's not like a... It's in a, it's in a cemetery in Sydney yeah. where people who have been missing and not yeah. found go to be laid to rest and... Um, not physically, but they have... Not physically. It's metaphorically. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it's around Sullivan's Sutherland somewhere. So Yeah, um, yeah it's an open door, yeah. yeah. The open door, yeah. Some, yeah. It's something... I can't remember exactly what he called it, but, you know, that's something that I've been trying to work out what the next process is for me. Like, people talk about what's happening right now. I'm constantly thinking forward, going, what do I do for mum? Do I do a memorial for her? Do mm. I... Do I do a walk? Like it was funny because I thought maybe a walk along the beach, a beach somewhere with everybody who could make it in her memory would be a nice thing to do. And then I was listening ages ago to the teacher's pet and they did the same thing for Lynette Dawson. And, you know, you, there has to be something that I can do to mentally get myself yeah. through the system and yeah. through the process. So um, it was nice to hear that there was another option there. Yeah, um, it was And it would be nice to be with a group of people who have – 
have a similar story to tell, like I say, yeah. you know, in in that in that world. So, um, Absolutely. so yeah. So thank you, Mark, for coming. I really appreciate oh, your time. We do, we do appreciate. It. And look, the other thing that um, somebody actually a listener pointed this out, which I thought was very interesting. He said, look, the other thing that this story brought for was the um, the legal indemnity, like the fact that um, he had legal immunity and he couldn't be. Um, he couldn't be charged for murder or manslaughter as a result of him saying where the body was. Mm. And you know what? Somebody could come forward with a court, you know, for a quarter of a million. I don't know if they'd get it in that respect, but I mean, like, I don't know what the real rules are if, if they know where the body is. Um, and, but they could, there could be a deal. I don't know. Who knows? But it's just one of those things. Um, I, um, I think it gives a lot of insight into the way it works. Um, but if, if somebody knows where it is, you know, um, that that would be great. Um, and speaking of which, Armadale, we were going to mention that. Yes. So um, Alison had asked me if I would recap on a post that I posted a couple of weeks ago and because some of the people here even who are helping on the podcast are like, I've never heard of that before, I didn't know that. And it kind of just dawned on me one weekend that I had – indicated that 2002 was the year that the Crime Stoppers call had been made. Now, I went back through my Facebook pages um, to clarify this because I don't have that in writing. Of course, it's all been redacted. So another reason why it's so important that I have that information in front of me so it can be clear and concise. Um, And I did ask Gary a while back when we were talking about Armadale because I questioned him it was at the time when he'd done his interview and he'd said that he'd gone out for a couple of days when he told me one day and it rained. So I questioned him on that and I asked him when what year it was that the Crime Stoppers call came through and he said, oh, I don't remember, Sal, it's so long ago. So it was kind of brushed off again. And um, so I went through my, my Facebook right back to 2013. Now, remembering that that happened in 2010, so it was only three years Apart, and I had I've written two thousand and two in all my posts. However, yesterday um, we I brought it up about doing another search um, with the detective, and uh, she indicated that she'd pulled the file out, and in actual fact, the Crime Stoppers call was made in two thousand and eight. So I am sorry if I caused a ruckus amongst that. Um, it was an innocent error, I guess. And I don't know if Gary was the one that told me 2002, but I certainly have written 2002 in all my notes and all my documentation. So somehow along the line that has been miscommunicated um, either through myself or through Gary, I'm not sure. But um, we can probably just put it to bed that the call was made in 2008. It doesn't mean that the information is not correct because someone did call and did say that a woman by the name of Marion who was missing is buried in Armadale. Yeah. So that is all still correct. The only difference is that I had in- indicated that I had made no mention in media and mum wasn't on the missing persons register at all until that 2007. Um, so I was. my question was how did the person who made the call in 2002 know that she was a missing person. Mm. So it turns out now that in 2008, mum had been on the register in New South Wales. So it is likely that someone could have been making a bogus phone call based on someone well, being likely, on the register. not likely, possible. 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 Yeah. Anything's possible. So, um, but they have indicated to me that they are looking very deep back into that file mm. um, and going through all that information again. So um, rest assured that they're not leaving that stone unturned. They are definitely looking into it. Um, And, um, you know, I apologise once again. But 
it kind of reiterates, I said this last time we spoke, that, you know, it's very difficult for me when I'm always getting phone calls from Gary and I'm not getting it in writing. So I'll always put it in writing to him what I'm requesting and he'll ring me with a quick five-minute phone call to tell me the answer. So therefore, I don't have it documented and I don't have it written down. I'm, I've got to go off my own memory mm. and I'm sure you can all appreciate how full my brain is and all the things I've got to try and recall because I have a heavily redacted report in front yeah. of me. That's actually got errors in it. <laughs> Lots of errors. And, I, you know, I've got to be able to verify myself. So, you know, um, anyway, that's that's the update on, on the Armadale thing. Um, I still think it needs to be re, revisited, um, knowing that that was probably one of the only, at the time, um, conversations that had been done. It still doesn't take away the fact that even 2008, Gary didn't find that till 2010. So two years later before anyone took any action on that. So if we look at the, the time frames for me, like I've put it in at, in 1997, I've then had to, you know, go back and forth a few times and everyone sort of brushed me off a little bit and I had several different people talking to me but no one really took an interest in helping me. Then we get to 2007 after I ring the AFP and put it forward. Then we have a missing persons, Stephen McAllister, who took over the case and started looking into it, has made comments saying there are genuine concerns for this woman's safety. Um, I can tell you he knew about Florabella, the name Florabella, because it's in the documents. You can see it in the documents. Mm. Uh, even the redacted bits, you can see where they say name, and it's as long as Florabella yeah. Ramakel yeah. Um, with the whole, the with whole Natalia, deal. Natalia, yep, Marion. Um, yeah, so, so that's... That's that. You know what the sleuthies came up with? Um, the I love other how day. you call them sleuthies now. <laughs> well, they're sleuthies. They're, 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 yeah, they're my girls. But um, they came up with the idea that when Fernand Ramakel was spelling out my name, that he used Ernest for E and Nicholas for N, which are his initials. Hmm. That's E for Ernest, N for Nicholas. That was Leopold, yeah. Dagobert. Yeah, no, I, 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 I noticed that when, <laughs> when you just, said it That's in the an conversation. interesting thing to say. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't say S for Sally. I say S for Sam. Yeah. So it was just an interesting thing. I was say Sandy has in a beach. That even helps. <laughs> so just, just quickly, uh, we, we have got another tip that I'm chasing up. I'm not going to uh, reveal what it is, but uh, I've just uh, sent an email this morning off to a um, an agency in Luxembourg to help me chase down a tip. Uh, new, new information through the anonymous tip site, www.theladyvanishes.org. We've received um, – it's been good. People haven't been um, commenting on that or using it to, to, to put other things in there. Um, but what we've got is um, – uh, and a couple of uh, potential Marians. I um, drove uh, uh, quite a long distance um, a few weeks ago to check out uh, one potential Marian, and you uh, would have seen that in the longer video story, accompanying episode 15, which is posted on our, our Facebook page. Um, that wasn't Marian. But um, uh, we've also got information about another one south of Sydney, um, but the, there isn't enough detail in that tip to actually narrow down a, a particular location. So if that person has any more information, they need to give us something more in terms of the location. And, of course, um, we had that uh, very detailed tip uh, written in German by a woman. Uh, and uh, we haven't revealed what was in that, but that was uh, there was part of that in a previous episode. And we really want to hear back from that woman. Uh, if you're listening, um, if you want to reach out to us in confidence, we won't reveal your name or your details. 
but uh, I would like to speak to you about uh, the contents of that tip. So, uh, yeah, lots uh, lo- lots happening all the time uh, behind it the really scenes. It really is. It really is. And, um, you know, I just want to thank, again, the whole team. Um, we are, Our next episode will be a ripper as well because obviously it will be the NCAT and that's when that will come out, as I said, we'll wait for NCAT. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, yeah, regardless, whatever the outcome is. Um, forensic linguist, um, we've got our national celebrity that um, that was at the end of uh, episode 15 um, who uh, is it's just amazing, the links in this case. Um, and anyone who listened to that, I mean, I, I could tell who it was. Even if I didn't know, I could tell who it was straight away. She's got such a distinctive voice. Um, but I loved it. I loved it about teachers too, just so pertinent um, in, you know, uh, it's just as true then as it is now, you know, um, what she what she said about teachers and what they do. It's such an interesting find too. Like Sam and I found that through digging through the archives as yeah. well because we were ringing around. You were even contacting contacts of yours and they're like, we've got no records of anything of this and yeah. then we just found it. And then yeah. it was actually Sam who said to me, you should tell Brian. So I told Brian and off Brian went and yes yeah, so and that's then all to that's come sort of, yeah and the organisation yeah, it's, 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 it's just amazing it. um, the access and the time we got and uh, well people are going to hear all about it in the next episode it's, um, mm. yeah, it's yeah. wonderful yep so um, I think that um, that's all I really wanted to cover today Sal, Brian do you have anything else? no no uh, I will let you know I did check uh, I was in Ballina recently um, so I um, I rushed down to the uh, their library, it's a, they've got a regional library there and they these libraries, they're a wellspring of local information. They actually had a register of local businesses from the time when that personal ad would, uh, listing the uh, the number in Ballina was placed and I found a phone number. I thought it was the one we were looking for but there was one digit different. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, we, we, we have not been able to find that phone number in that personal ad which we think was unlisted. That's another... Um, obviously, um, clue yeah. we want to we want well, that's um, the on, that is on the my list, to Brian. chase down. Yeah, I know it is. I know it is. I, I thought I got lucky at the the Ballina Regional Library because, as you know, Sal, um, it's it's often physically going yeah, yeah, through yeah. these records, which are uh, many of them pre computers, yep. and just go just just teeming through for hours and hours documents, and uh, it's it's definitely not sitting there waiting for us to find. But there will be a way. There will be a way that authorities can track that electronically. I think. Well, you look at what we've achieved in a year. I mean, the podcast only started in April. You know what I mean? Like, I've, it, we, it, it's going to keep going. We're going to keep, you know, and, and everything is now. I mean, with Sally, I know, you know, you, you've put some messages on there, just wait for everything to unfold now. And, and like, not that we're not doing, still doing stuff, but there's a lot of stuff unfolding at the same time. And it's just that breathe, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. being patient, waiting for NCAT, waiting for the inquest, waiting, you know, like that's <laughs> That gets really frustrating too because it's like, come on already. But anyway, um, but thanks again to all our listeners, all the support we've gotten. We couldn't do it without you. And please sign and share the petition, um, change.org, Marion Barter, um, Cash Reward. Thank you. Have a good day. See you later. Bye.